man, I got to tell you, Transformation, you are a people that are true to your name. God is working among you. God is working through you. And you really are more than just a place of congregation. You are a move of God in the making. You are transforming lives and you are being transformed. You are a life-giving church. So it is truly an honor to be here with you. Pastor Ruth, what a privilege to be here with you guys. And as you know, Pastor Joe is home. Joe, if you're online, man, I love you, brother. Keep healing up. Come see you uh, later on this week, probably bring you some lunch or something. Uh, But can we just show honor to Pastor Ruth and Pastor Joe? Come on, can we stand up and just honor our pastors? What an amazing gift that they are. You know, the Bible says, you can be seated. The Bible says uh, that the pastors in the house, that they are the angel in the house. And so we have a gift here at Transformation Church, and it is truly an honor to know them. They are such a life-giving couple. They are such amazing people, and we, we call it a privilege to just be in relationship with you guys, to do life with you. And just so you know, I'm Hispanic, so culturally, I'm kind of like your uncle, right? <laughs> uh, but I got nothing but love for you. My point is we're family, right? So, hey, today I have the privilege to share God's Word with you. And I always like to start off by pointing out that my job is not to give you an opinion. That's not my job. I am not here to give you a personal opinion. My job is simply to point you to the Word of God. And I believe that when we lean into the Word of God, that God's Word comes alive, that it speaks directly to our hearts. And I believe that there is a timely message that God has given me for you today. Amen? So how many of you already received that? Got to tell somebody, I'm ready. Now, tell the person you didn't come with, tell somebody else, I'm ready. Come on, three people, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Come on, I'm ready. Well, today I want to talk to you directly from the heart of God on a topic that I feel that God gave me directly for this house in this season at this moment. Today I want to talk to you about the the topic, life in the middle. Life in the middle. How many of you know that where you've been is not where God intends you to stay? Come on, give me an amen. Come on, shout back at me. Talk, preach with me here, right? How many of you know that where you are is not your final stop? How many of you believe that? Come on now. It's by faith that we walk. So we've got to believe this. We've got to walk in this. We've got to speak this, right? But how many of you know that God has more in store for you? Come on and tell somebody, God has more in store for you. Now, Now point at them and tell them, yes, you. Exactly, that's right. God has more in store for us. But you know, to go from where you've been, to go from where you are towards where God is taking you and I, we must be mindful, we must be intentional, we must be diligent about what happens in the middle. What happens on the journey from here to there? Friend, I've got good news for you. You're not done. The fact that you woke up this morning and have life means that you're not done. You're not dead, so you're not done. You've got strength. You've got life. You have the gift of God that is in you, working in your life, the precious Holy Spirit of God in us. And so where you are is not where you're meant to stay. But what you do in the middle is important. We must be mindful of it. We must be diligent on the way towards where God is calling us and taking us to. Reminds me of a story of Japan's most uh, accomplished kamikaze. 
If you know anything about kamikazes, kamikazes were fighter pilots, but these weren't just regular fighter pilots. These were fighter pilots that operated with a specific mission. Their job was to take their plane and crash it into, territory, into enemy territory. And so Japan's most accomplished kamikaze had just landed his plane after his 50th kamikaze mission. And there is a massive crowd of people and they're all cheering. That was your cue. They're all cheering. We're there, right? They're all excited, man. There's balloons, there's parades, there's a music, right? There's all these reporters, everybody snapping shots. Wow, 50th mission completed. And the guy gets off his plane and all these reporters come towards him and they're snapping pictures and asking him all these questions. And there's one reporter who's quite, quite puzzled. And he, he finally gets in there where he can sneak in a question. He says, Mr. Kamikaze, how is it? that you have completed 50 successful kamikaze missions, but you're standing here with us. And he says, well, what had happened was, right, he says, the way that's worked is I've started 50 missions, but I've never committed to complete it. My point with that is simply this. It's not enough to start towards the goal that God has for you and I. It's not enough to see the end and the promise of God. It's not enough to know the intended goal, the intended next step. See, what you and I do in the middle, what we do in between from here to there is the bridge. It's the bridge from your hurts to your healing. It's the bridge from your bondage to your breakthrough. It's, your, it's the bridge from your past to your God-ordained purpose and destiny. So I have a question. What stops us in the middle? What keeps us in that place where we feel stuck in the muck like a duck? And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but it sucks. Right? What keeps us there? What keeps us in the middle? And I would submit to you that what keeps us in the middle in, the, in our struggles, in our doubts, in our insecurities, in our inaction, is this one little word called fear. Fear. Now, let's get real with ourselves for a moment. You ever been afraid? Come on now. We, we've all been there. We all walk through that. We all go through that. We all face it. I remember when we first started church at the bridge, we were youth pastors, actually not far from this area, here in the Middletown area, and we, we were pastoring a, a youth ministry that was, I mean, thriving. We had many, many youth, and, and, it was, and we were involved in the community. We did that for many years. We did that for about seven and a half years, and it was great. And I thought that we had arrived at what God had called us to. And then all of a sudden in 2013, God began to nudge us. And I did what most of us do, guys. Nah, that can't be God. I pray about it, but I wasn't praying about it, right? I resisted it. Eventually, we got to the point where we toughened up and we said this is what God is calling us to do he's calling us to plant a church in the city of Newburgh everyone that knew us told us don't do it don't go to that city don't go there don't do it there and well we knew what God had told us and so we did it so we took this leap of faith we left the ministry that we were at and mind you we left and there wasn't much to land on we didn't exactly know what we were doing, but we knew what God had told us, and so we took this step of faith. Well, the next morning after that happened to be January 1st 
of 2014. And I remember I was in the kitchen and I was talking to God and I was kind of struggling with this, but I knew what God had told us. And uh, I was afraid, to be honest with you. And my wife happened to come down the stairs and I'm sitting at the kitchen counter and she grabs a cup of coffee and we both look at each other and we said the same thing to each other. What did we just do? (laughs) What did we just do here? Did we really just do this? But you see, that morning, as is my custom every morning, in my quiet time, I had been reading the book of Genesis. And at that moment when we said that to each other, a scripture popped up in my heart that I knew was the Holy Spirit speaking to me directly from the heart of the Father. It came directly out of Genesis 15, 1, where God says to Abraham, Abraham, do not be afraid. I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your reward. Friends, you have a reward, and it's God. It's not your paycheck. It's not your friends. It's not what's happening around you. It's God. And the reason why I share that with you is because at that moment, if you just go back and you read a couple of verses in in, in Genesis 14, you'll see that Abraham had just uh, won a massive battle against five kings, and he had brought back the people that had been taken captive, and he had all these spoils, all these riches, and he comes back, and one of the kings in the land that he had been living, he brings him back his people, and he says, give me my people, and you take the spoils, and Abraham says this. He says, I will not take anything from you, not even the strap on a sandal, lest you say that you increased me and it wasn't God. But verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1 tells us what was actually going on after he did that. He was afraid. And God said to him, I am your exceedingly great reward. And I remember when my wife and I both said that to each other, I said to her, "Hun, this may not make sense. It may not look Like we have anything to start with, but we have God and we have a calling and we have all that we need to make it. We will not lack one thing. No bill will be missed. Listen, the dog will have food. The kids will be fine. The house will be taken care of. And God was faithful to bring us through. I share that with you because I want you to see that God gives us what we need in the middle. The question is, do we take hold of it? The question is, do we do something with it? The question is, do we dare to overcome our fears, our anxieties, our worries, the challenges, so that we can go from here to there? So I've got got good news for you today. I want you to consider what God says in his word. I just want to give you a couple of scriptures just uh, as a foundation for what we're going to be talking about today. The scripture says that the spirit of God in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, it says, for the spirit of God... Uh, the, The spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Say that with me. Power, love, and self-discipline. Do you realize what the scripture is actually declaring here? The scripture is saying that our makeup doesn't encompass fear. You were not built to fear. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't experience fear, but we are not built to succumb to it. Because God has given us power. Come on, God has given you power. God has given you power. Somebody needs to hear that God has given you power. God has given you his love, which is your covering, which is your security, which is what you need. And God has given us, watch what the scripture says, the ability to discipline ourselves in the face of fears. 
So we're fully equipped. Come on and give God some praise for that. Isaiah 41, uh, 13 says this, For I am the Lord your God who takes, your, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. I want to leave that portion of Scripture because I want you to see that God is speaking to his people. And here's what he says to his people. You don't have any reason to be afraid, but watch why. I'm holding your hand. I'm holding your hand. And oftentimes when we feel alone, when we feel like we can't make it, we forget that we are held by God Almighty. That even when we let go, he does not. The scripture says that even when we are unfaithful, he is faithful because he cannot deny who he is. God is holding you and I in the midst of whatever we are facing. And so I'm telling you, you will overcome. I'm telling you, you can make it because God is holding your hand. And Romans 8.15 says that the spirit that you and I have received, that it does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Notice that we're not supposed to go back to the place of fear. It says, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. You know what the scripture is telling us here? It's telling us that even in the moments where we feel like we can't, where we feel like we're stuck, where we feel like we're a slave to our anxieties, to our insecurities, to fears, to challenges in life, we are actually free from them. But how many of you know that free people need to think free, need to act free, need to actually be free? It's a matter of choice. And so we have to uh, take on this mindset and understand that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is what the scripture says, lives in you and I. Therefore, we're not lacking anything. We have what we need to make it in the middle. But if you're going to make it in the middle, if we're going to make it in the middle, we have to act on these things. And for that, we need to consider what the scriptures give us by way of example. The book of Mark records a time when Jesus had been ministering to many people by the side of a lake. It was a large body of water and suddenly Jesus shifts gears. He shifts gears and he says to his disciples, pack it up guys, we're going to the other side. We've got to get there. There was a sense of urgency to get to the other side. Now, if you study this out in the scriptures, you'll find out that on the other side was a man who was demon-possessed. There was a legion of demons that oppressed and possessed him, and it didn't, it didn't just impact him. It was actually affecting the entire region around him in this place called Gennesaret. And so uh, Jesus has intentions to get to the other side because he wanted to set him free, but he also wanted to deliver them of their fears, of their oppression. Let's turn to the scriptures in Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35, and let's see what we can learn from this. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Go ahead and tell three people you don't know, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. Listen, these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him. I'm sorry. Uh, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. 
and there was also other boats with him, and a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So these guys are about to capsize. And Jesus was in the stern. I want you to remember that. Jesus is in the stern of the boat, and he was sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if, that we're about to drown? And he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and he said, quiet, be still. Quiet, be still. Quiet, be still. Peace, be still. Listen to what Jesus says in the midst of a storm. Peace, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Now listen, when we read this, it's easy to read it from the outside looking in. I bet you that you, you're probably like me and you're going, how could they have doubted Jesus? Why were they so afraid? How come they were bugging out in the middle of this storm when Jesus was with them? When Jesus was sleeping and they're freaking out, why, why, would, why, why would they do that? But I submit to you that this isn't just their story. The Bible is actually our story. It speaks directly to our lives. It addresses where we are in life and what's going on in the middle on this journey of faith with Jesus. And so what, I'm, what I want us to consider is that we're all in the boat, so to speak. We're all heading somewhere with Jesus. We're all on a journey through life with Jesus, and he is calling us to the other side. Friend, God is calling you to a place of greater growth. God is calling you to a place of greater uh, impact. God is calling you to a place of healing. God is calling you to a place of purpose. God is calling you to something more than where you are and where you've been and where you might be stuck in your thinking. And so watch this. Like the disciples, isn't it true that we forget at times that Christ is with us? And that he promised that we're going to the other side. Friends, you're going to the other side. You're not dead. You're not done. Your feelings may tell you something, but feelings have a way of lying to us. Because feelings have nothing to do with the facts that are based on the promises of God. And we need to begin to see this from a different perspective. So I want to share a couple of things for you and I for reflection and application. I want us to consider what the scriptures uh, teach us from this, from this moment in the lives of the disciples. That's actually our story as well. And what I want to start off with is, is that if you're going to go, if you're going to overcome in the middle, you must understand this, that no matter what, we can't stay in this place called here. You can't stay here. You can't stay where you've been. You can't stay in your past. You can't stay in your fears. You can't stay in your anxiety. You can't stay in your moment of unrest. You can't stay in that place. 
because that place has nothing to do with what God has called you to. It might be part of the journey, but it is not the end goal. It is not what God has for you and I. And oftentimes the reason why we get stuck in the middle like the disciples is because we forget what Jesus has promised. Friends, Jesus did not save you to leave you. I'm going to say that again. Jesus did not save you to leave you. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 puts it this way. The good work that he started in you, he shall complete until the coming of Christ. God's not done with you. God has promised you that you are more than a conqueror. He has declared that while trials and tribulations will come in this world, that we can rejoice because he has already overcome. We don't serve a chump. We serve a champion. Now, it's interesting, but in the Greek, when Jesus says, let us go over to the other side, the Greek renders it this way. The, the, the Greek word, the Greek term for let us go over is the word diakomai, which means to journey through. In other words, we're going to go through this middle, through. We're going to walk through this journey. We're going to get on this boat and we're going to get through is what Jesus is saying. But when he says to the other side in the Greek, it's the word paran. And here's what it means, beyond the farther side. I submit to you, based on the words of Jesus, that Jesus wasn't just bent and intent on getting to the other side and getting this man deliverance and setting these people free. Jesus was looking beyond that. You see, God does great things in our lives, and he pushes us to the other side. But the other side is just part of the journey to what he wants to develop in you and I, what he wants to do through you and I, and what he's purposed and destined us for. Amen? And so what I am saying to you is that God wants to get you from here to there. God wants to get you to the other side because on the other side, there's greater growth. There's a new level of potential to be unleashed. There's something more that God wants to do. This is to say that Christ was not simply interested in getting to the demon-possessed man. He had his eyes set on what he wanted to do in them. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 puts it this way. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things, watch this, that God has revealed to us by his spirit. I want you to see that whatever you see, wherever you've been, whatever you've gone through, whatever you're holding on to, God sees greater. God has more. God is, is taking you and I to greater places. He wants to develop you and I in the midst of these trials. The book of James puts it this way, that when we face various trials, that we are to rejoice. In the Greek, you know what it actually says? Throw a party. Throw a party, celebrate. Why? Because therein, there is a development that occurs within us. There is a growth that happens within us that teaches us and builds us in faith 
and in character and in patience and in all that God has for us. Friends, don't run from the fears. Don't run from the battles. Don't fret in the middle. There's more in store. You know what the problem is? We think we see more than God. We think we know more than God. We, we equate walking with God based upon our experience. And friends, our experience has nothing to do with what God sees. It's a pebble in the midst of the ocean of what God has promised you and I. And so like the disciples, we oftentimes focus on what we see, what we feel, what we go through. Meanwhile, according to verse 10 in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, God is focused on what he's trying to reveal to us by his spirit. Get this. God is trying to show you more. He's trying to reveal to you more. He's calling us towards greater things. So when storms hit, when trials are crashing down, when the waves of life are battering upon us and we experience the turmoil that they create, we must be careful to respond according to what God has promised, to what God is calling us to, which leads me to my second point. And it's this, it's that our problems are never the problem. Friend, our problem is our response. The problem is never the problem. Get this. Whatever you and I go through is not shutting down the lights in heaven. Whatever you and I are going through is not a surprise to God. Whatever you and I may face in life, God says, my hand is not too short. And so the problem is never the problem. The problem is how we respond. Consider this. The disciples were with who? Come on, tell me. Who, who, who were they with? They were with Jesus. About three of you actually heard that story. Right? Come on, who was he with? Who were they with? They, they were with Jesus. Do you know what that means? They were with the conquering king. They were with the promised Messiah. They were with the one who was there when God created all things. They were with the one who was the word of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us. They were with the word of God, who spoke it, who called it into existence, who has declared great things. They were with Jesus. God in the flesh, the one who said, I have overcome, the one who, who raised the dead, the one who healed the sick, the one who multiplied fish and bread. And all of a sudden, a storm arises, and they forget who they are with. If you look at the text, they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? They questioned his lordship, they questioned his power, they questioned his authority, they questioned his relationship to them. Are you seeing their response? So they forgot who they were with and what he promised. Jesus had said, we're going to the other side. So while the storms are real and we experience the waves, the motions, the pushing, the pulling on us, the challenges. Could it be that we're actually called 
to do more than just say, God, you do it. Could it be that we're called to respond according to what God has declared? Let me show you this from scriptures, friend, because I don't want to give you an opinion here. I want us to consider that we are responsible for how we respond. We're responsible for it. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, watch what Jesus says. He says, when you pass through the waters, well, yeah, I know the, uh, the prophet Isaiah penned these words, but these are directly inspired by God. Jesus was there, right? And he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be, what? With you. I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Friends, somebody needs to hear this. That the same God that was in the boat with them is the same God that lives within you, that walks with you, that has declared promises over you, that has saved you, and has a predestined future that provides you hope. This is the Jesus that was in the boat with them. And they're fretting about wind and waves. They're fretting about sinking. They forgot who they were with. And their response reflected that. Listen. Consider this. Why was Jesus asleep in the stern of the boat? While there's a storm... And if you look at this in the Greek, when it talks about a squall, it indicates that it was most likely a nor'easter. It was a pretty big storm. And so what's interesting is Jesus is asleep while they're panicking. Jesus is in a place of rest while they're fretting. Isn't it interesting that the book of Hebrews tells us that there is still a rest that we are to enter into? And this Sabbath is more than just what we do for ourselves. It's what we do with Jesus because Jesus is our Sabbath. And so Jesus is at rest and they're fretting. And we have to question why. You know, I'm not a guy who is really outdoorsy. I mean, I like hiking. I like riding a motorcycle. I like being outside. But honestly, I like to go shop. That's kind of outdoors for me. Come on, somebody relate with me here. Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Any fellas like to like really shop for yourself, right? Yeah, well, that's me. That was a lot funnier in my head, but anyway, we'll move along. But my point is, look, uh, Jesus is in this boat, and he's asleep, and these guys are trying to find their way out of this situation in their own strength. And I don't know much about boats, but one thing I will tell you about boats, because I know quite a few guys that own boats, and I'll go get on their boats. That's where I was going with the whole outdoors thing, right? We're, we're, I, the, the very first thing that's going to sink in a boat when it's going to go down is the stern. And it's the stern because it's the heaviest part of the boat. It's what's going down first. Who is in the stern? Jesus was at a place of rest where the potential to go down existed. What I'm saying to you is this, my friend. You can't go down 
when you're walking with Jesus because he promises to always hold you up. Come on and give God some praise, man. So what's our response? How should we respond? I'm reminded of Isaiah 26, I believe it's verse 3, where he says this. He keeps in perfect peace, in complete peace, right? Full circle peace, whose mind is stayed upon him. So, friend, I am telling you that when the storms come, when challenges come, when you're in the middle and it feels like your boat is being rocked and you're not going to make it and you're going to sink, remember this. Stay your mind on Christ. Consider what Christ is doing in the midst of your anxiety. Is he responding like you are? No, I submit to you that we have to stay our mind on Jesus who is in us, who is with us, who's working through you, and who's also working for you. Which leads me to my last point as I come to a close, and it's this, that the fears, the fears we don't face become our limits. Let me say that again. The fears we don't face become our limits. I've heard it said in the acronym for fear is that false it, that it's false evidence appearing real. Fear is false, friends. Let me tell you why I say that. Let me tell you why I say that confidently. Because fear takes your focus off of Jesus. Let me say that again. Fear takes your focus off of Jesus. That's why it's false. Because it leads us to a lie. That he can't. That he's not present. That he doesn't care. According to the biblical record, Jesus had no intention of addressing the fears of the disciples. What are you talking about, Jose? How could you say that? I'll prove it to you. The storm hits. Jesus stills the storm, and then he turns to them and he says, Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? You mean to tell me that you still don't have faith? Listen to what Jesus was implying about what he says. They had no reason to fear. They had no reason to fear. You know what else his words imply? <laughs> they imply that they had enough faith to face the storm. You know, there was the storm raging around them, but there was a greater storm at work that day. It was the storm within them. It was how they were internalizing what was going on around them. And Jesus says, why are you afraid there? How is it that you don't have faith to overcome there? It's interesting. What we see here is that they couldn't address the storm because they wouldn't address their fears. That tells us something, friends. Fear is something that we 
have to face. The Bible puts it this way, that we are each to work out our own salvation. The Bible says with fear and trembling. But that's not talking about fear as in afraid of God. It's talking in reverence of God. See, you and I have been saved and we've been equipped for life. But it's up to you and I to work that out. To begin to do something with that. To begin to cross over to the other side. I wish I had more time, but I want to leave you with a quote as we end today. It comes from a woman named Marianne Williamson. Maybe you've heard it because it was in a movie. But she says this, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is not, it is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. You know what stops us oftentimes from going to the other side? Questioning what's there. Questioning if we can make it. And I'm telling you that the same Jesus that rose from the dead, the same Jesus that authorized these disciples, the same Jesus that was in the boat with them, the same Jesus that declared peace, be still, is the Jesus that is with you and I. And he declares, we're going to the other side. Is there anyone in this house today that believes that, that receives that, that can thank God for that? Come on, let's, let, let's take a moment as we stand here. And I want you to consider this. That this biblical account provides us a promise. You're going to the other side. The Bible says that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness according to his great and precious promises. And what we do with these promises matters. Hey, maybe you're here, maybe you're joining us online. God is saying this is the moment right here right now from this point forward where fear no longer grips you where you accept my purposes and my plans and my promise that declare to you you're going to the other side Father today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus we thank you, Lord, that your word says that we are overcomers. That we win, Lord. That you lead us in a triumphant procession. That you declare that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Father, we thank you for that promise. And I declare over this house strength. I speak the words of Jesus and I say to you, peace, be still, peace, be still, peace, be still, because Jesus is with you and you ain't going down. You're not dead, so you're not done. God is working great and mighty things in you and through you and for you and unto others by your life.
God, we thank you for that today. Maybe there's someone here in the house today. Maybe there's someone joining us online. And today you're hearing this and you can relate to the portion of scripture where you feel like you're stuck in the middle. Like no matter what you try, no matter what you do, you're going down. But I want you to consider the whole story. The one who's holding you in his hands, the one that's touching your life right now, the one that's speaking to you, the one that's revealing himself to you declares, be still. We're going to the other side. If that's you today and you believe that God is speaking to you, then I want you to consider this. As Pastor Ruth said, God loves you so much that nothing can separate you from him. And here's why that promise is true. Because the one thing that did separate us from God, he dealt with. The scripture says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why would God give his son to die? Because somebody had to pay for the issue of sin, and you and I can't do it. And so God said, I know what I'll do. I'll become like one of them. I'll come in the form of a man. I'll lay down my life, pay the penalty for sin, absolve them from the guilt of it. And then I'll rise up to prove that I am God, but also to prove that men from this point forward can rise too. I'm telling you, you're on a comeback. And if you believe that with us today, pray this with us as we close here. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you love me so much that you died for me, paid the price for my sin, and you rose again. And so this day, I rise too. I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And I'm on my way to the other side. Come on and give God some praise. Thank you so much for the privilege to be here with you today.